The first time I watched the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, I was on an airplane. And apart from all the hilarious scenes and the awkwardness of seeing Robin Williams dressed like an old woman, the primary message of the movie is that we should celebrate the diversity of families. Our families are something we don't choose, but significantly shape us. And whether you have a brother, a sister, step-parent, grandparents, your parents are divorced, separated, or together, you have cousins, or you're an only child, our families are all unique. Which is why sometimes we need to give a family rundown. Hi, I'm Emily. I like Starbucks, hockey, and pickle juice. Hi, I'm Alyssa. I like Starbucks shopping and doing the laundry. Hey, I'm Maggie, and I like Smokey the Bear, The Office, and Keith Morrison. Hi, I'm Isabella, and I like The Sims, Sunscreen, and Juice. Welcome to Modern Story Podcast. Today, we're telling stories about that diverse family experience. I'm really excited to hear about all of your guys' families because I think sometimes family can be a taboo and sensitive topic for a lot of people, so it'll be nice to hear about you guys' families. Yeah, I think it's interesting to hear about how families are different and just the different things about everyone's family. Yeah. Let's get started with Emily and her story called Sanctuary. At the end of my sophomore year at Roseville Area High School, I had incredible moments shared with friends, cherished time with family, and unforgettable experiences with my hockey team. It was June 4th, so we had one week left, and my mom was bringing my friend and I to school. And as we got to the stoplight on my school street, my mom got a call from my aunt, but didn't answer because she was driving, and it was a normal thing for my aunt to call. Then my dad called my mom, and then we knew something was off, so so my mom asked me to answer, and when I did, my world went silent. I heard the news, my cousin took his life. I didn't know how to take this and I asked God so many questions why. He was the first person I've lost close to me. So for the week after I spent time with my family and he had two younger twin sisters that looked up to him and adored him. So I had to stay strong for them and comfort them through this time. He had been battling his mental illness for a long time and it took over his body. As time went on, we went back to our normal lives and I was ready to go back to hockey knowing it would help me feel free, get any anger out, and escape reality. So that summer, I spent my time splitting it between being with my cousins and playing hockey. My mom got really into her faith during this time of healing, and it seemed to help her a lot, but I still wasn't sure about where I was with my faith or how to go deeper into it. I then graduated high school, committed to Hamlin University for hockey, but ended up transferring to Bethel. I wasn't sure at first about transferring to Bethel, being it was a Christian college, and I wasn't super religious, and I was scared I wasn't going to like it. But I took my chance, and I've loved it here ever since. Bethel University has become my sanctuary where I found comfort, happiness, and a sense of belonging. I've seen my faith grow and develop, and it's where I've made lifelong friendships that have helped my healing process. The changes I've faced in my life were not what I have hoped for or expected, but they have given me strength in all aspects of life, And as I continue on in this journey, I remain committed to growing my faith and believing in God. Emily, thank you so much for sharing your story, and we're so glad you're at Bethel. What community at Bethel specifically has been a sanctuary for you? Um, yeah, I would say my hockey team has been. They're my best friends, and they have helped me get to my faith more. And something we do after every practice is that we get together and pray. That's great. Yeah, thank you, Emily, for sharing your story. Also, what is the biggest difference you notice after transferring? I think the biggest difference would be the values between the schools 
and I also just feel safer and more comfortable here. Here's Alyssa and her story called 350 Miles. I eagerly waited for my mom to pick me up from elementary school early. My teachers and friends had mentioned over and over again how they would miss me. Then it was time. My teacher had gotten the call that my mom was here to pick me up. I gathered my things and met my mom by the office. As we walked through the halls of the school that held familiar faces of childhood friends and family members, I said to my mom, I don't want to leave. I like my friends in school here. My mom replied, I thought you were excited. I was until this day when I realized how much things would change. My whole family, including my dad, mom, brother, and I, got home to a big moving truck in the driveway in an empty house that looked nothing like it did with all our stuff in it. We did our final walkthrough through the house that we had created many memories in. Memories of playing in the yard with the falling leaves of fall and baking cookies as a family. These are memories we will cherish forever. We packed into my dad's Ford F-150 truck, all four of us with our stuff in the moving truck behind us. We left and drove five hours to our new adventure in Minnesota, a place I had known nothing about. This adventure that I was starting would be one completely new and different to me. I had left all my family back home to be in a completely new town and state. Even though I had left all my family and friends back in a place I called home, along the way I learned that this is what God had planned for me. We moved to Maple Lake, a small town in Minnesota about 350 miles away from my hometown. I started a new school that was small but very welcoming. Right away I was able to make friends. I was even lucky enough to meet a best friend. I found a new place that I now call home. I also got to experience places I may have never gone to if it was not for this adventure. One being the Mall of America. I love spending the whole day there shopping. This was a big change for me and my family that ended up giving us many opportunities to grow and meet new people that we now consider to be our family. This experience had a big part in shaping who I am today. Because of this experience, I have learned to trust God's timing and His plan, even when the new opportunities that lie ahead may seem unpleasant and scary. Melissa, that's such a great story. Thank you so much for sharing. How do you stay connected with your family back in Wisconsin? Yeah, I stay connected with my family by talking to them on the phone and visiting them about three times a year. I always enjoy going to see them and spending time in my hometown. That's great. Yeah. Hi, Alyssa. Thank you for sharing. How old were you when you moved here? I was about six when we moved to Minnesota, and even though I was really young, I remember everything very well because it was one of the biggest changes that happened in my life. Here's Isabella and her story called Genesis. Genesis. The chaos of the orphanage only made me scream louder, uncertain of when the monsters would go away after feeding on my fountain of tears. I'd never felt cozy in the cold. I have met Bogota's frigid mornings many times before, but never a bitter kiss or a kiss of love at all. That's when I felt it, something that came from right down under, crawling all over my body, lifting me up. I did the only thing my mind felt like it could do, yelp out in panic. At three months old, I had no power over my body and no voice to express my distrust of their dominion. My screams always muffled their intent. My secrets lie within my touch, within my breath, and within my world. A world where I'm alone and angry and where my birth mother left me wondering who I am. I'm terrified of those in charge. I feel your cold hand on my body as it is pressed against theirs. 
I'm scared they'll see how weak I really am. Seeking attachment while yearning for attachment. Attachment at Genesis, attachment she broke. Thoughts of who my first mother is and where she came from will never die. For I never had the courage to say goodbye, but I hope that one day I will be able to say hello. I hope a day will come where I finally have a family. A day where I'm loved for eternity. Maybe that day will never come, but I'd like to imagine how it'd feel, so if it happens, I'm ready. A beam of light hit my face as I was carried through these halls, not knowing where she might take me. Amber sparkles hit my eyes as I live vicariously through those around me. And that's when it hit me. Genesis, Genesis. My new family was waiting there for me all along. My screams stopped and my tears subsided. My parents' cries soothed mine. Maybe I can finally stop pretending to be brave. Maybe I can stop living between heaven and hell. Maybe for once in my life, I can be with someone without having to worry about how they might hurt or leave me. For I am an infant waiting to be loved, but never ready to love back. Thank you for sharing your story, Isabella. Where are you adopted from? Hi, thank you. I am from Bogota, Colombia, which is in South America. It's by the border, by Panama. It's a really beautiful country. Yeah, thank you for sharing your story, Isabella. Um, do you ever want to go back to Colombia? Yeah, so eventually I do want to go back. It's quite a process. I would even have to go to Chicago to even get a thing that I'm able to do, and it would be a lot, but I definitely want to go eventually. Yeah, that sounds like a long process, but I hope you can get back there someday. Thank you. Here is Maggie with her story, Oxygen. I have a least favorite element. Not a favorite element, a least favorite element. No, I'm not a chemistry nerd. Chemistry was definitely not one of my favorite classes in high school. Sorry, Miss Espy. This is a story of why I have a complicated relationship with oxygen. I found out a few different ways. This year, it was when I came upon some prednisone pills in a plastic bag labeled, Start with First Cluster. The note was in my mom's clear, aspiration-worthy handwriting. She was a third-grade teacher. Two years ago, it was the blue, white, and green Alina oxygen truck showing up at our house. Typically delivering oxygen tanks for the elderly, this truck showed up for my vigorous, adventure-seeking mom in her 40s. A deep pit in my stomach formed. I sensed an impending mountain emerging from the earth, one that her family must summit. Both the pills and the oxygen spoke to me in a grave, quiet voice. The clusters are here. Cluster headache. It's a nickname for trigeminal autonomic cephalalgia, a neurological condition that's been deemed the worst pain known to Western medicine. Worse on the pain scale than giving birth or even a gunshot wound. A cluster headache isn't really what people think of as a quote-unquote headache. It won't go away with ibuprofen or Advil. It wasn't a result of my mom not having enough caffeine that morning. Believe me, she had enough coffee for the both of us. Clusters come in cycles, which are different for everyone. For my mom, they come every two years and last five to seven months. When they come, it's like a monster that's been hiding in the closet, reaches out its hand to slowly open the door. At the beginning of the cycle, she'll get them about once a day, Then at their peak, she'll get them four times a day. 
By the end of the cycle, her body is weak beyond imagination after fighting a lengthy battle. Who was the bearer of bad news? The oxygen. The oxygen meant our lives would look very different for the next half year. The oxygen meant my mom would be awakened by a stabbing pain on the right side of her head multiple times a day. It meant she would be up at night, tears tracing her face as she tried to battle despair. And all I could do was watch. Breathing in a really high concentration of oxygen is one of the few things that can help a cluster, and since it could take weeks to get tanks, my mom bought her own concentrator for when the monster arrived. The oxygen concentrator is a large blue machine on wheels about the size of a microwave turned on its side. At the top is a connection port to allow oxygen to flow into my mom's mask. My mom softened this reminder of intense suffering by decorating it with pictures of me and my sisters, handwritten notes and cards from friends, cardinal drawings, and Bible verses. Every surface is covered. The bleak blue machine is now a sea of colors and textures. It has a new meaning. My mom has a genuine view of pain. She doesn't give in to culture's pressure to tidy up pain and suffering in a nice big red bow. Her affliction is deep, but God has used my mom's life to show me that his love is deeper than our circumstances. When I developed my own chronic illness during my sophomore year of high school, my mom's example of how to suffer well was a huge gift to me. Suffering, when viewed in light of God's sovereignty, loses none of its pain, but it gains all of its purpose. Christians can trust God when he promises that we never run or labor in vain. If my mom can transform a symbol of agony into a symbol of beauty, then maybe I can be thankful for oxygen. Hi, Maggie. Thank you so much for sharing about your story. That sounds insanely painful to the point where I can't even imagine that because I can't even imagine being shot. So you're very strong and you and your family are very, very strong. Thank you. Through that. So is this a genetic condition? Yeah. So cluster headaches aren't super well researched or well known. Um, it's a little bit of a confusing condition. Um, there's a couple patterns that have been established. So they're predominantly found in men, actually, which is sort of weird. Many doctors didn't believe my mom when she said they she had them. She had a neurologist who was like, you don't have these. Um, when she was like, yes, I do. Um, so my grandmother actually did have cluster headaches as well as my mom. And so there have been some ties that... Um, suggest it might be a genetic condition and so it is something that's like in the back of my head and my sister's minds as well I imagine that this might be something we have to deal with and to be honest it's a little scary Um, but really I'm so thankful that my mom has set such an awesome example for me and has just relied so heavily on God's strength to sustain her and I really think that even if I get them I mean it's gonna be a lot of really terrible hard nights, but I don't know, my mom's example is going to really be helpful if that's the case. Yeah, and you'll always have God there to be there for you, but I'm so glad you have your mom as an example, but I can't believe the neurologist didn't, like, that's, oh my gosh. We got some doctor stories for sure. That's that's for another uh, episode, but, um, yeah, thank you. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Maggie, for sharing this. Um, is your mom still experiencing these headaches? Yeah, so right now she's three months into a cycle. So they started in July. And the scary thing is we sort of don't know how long they're going to go. Um, but she's just like, she's doing so good for the circumstances. And she's just one of the funniest people I know. And I really think that her sense of humor has been refined throughout the process. But yeah. We'll take all the prayers we can get. Yeah, and she sounds so strong, and I just hope she can get through this. Yeah. yeah thank you. I feel like people who are in pain are often the funniest people I've ever met. So yeah. I bet your mom's oh, a yeah. really cool person. Oh, she is. She yeah. is. So what have we learned today? Everyone has family problems. And that families can be a point of stability in our lives, or they can be the opposite. And that faith can be constant. And who we surround ourselves with really matters. We want to thank some people for helping us out on this Modern Story podcast at Bethel University in Arden Hills, Minnesota. Thanks to Angela Preston and her teaching assistant, Molly Wilson, for maintaining the podcast studio and giving us access to it. Thanks to the writers, such as Lana Del Rey and Jane Goodall, who inspired our stories. And we should thank each other for our edits. Look for the next episode of Modern Story Podcast, which is about surrendering to God. And lastly, go tell your mom, best friend, and dog about Modern Story. And Ross Allen. And your favorite Dateline host. And your tree trimmer. And your pet bees. And your local librarian. And Mike, any Mike. (laughs) And your chiropractor. And your third grade teacher about Modern Story Podcast.